This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Yes. Doesn't everybody love it when an underdog wins? Thank you. Everybody loves it when, uh, when Wales come to Cardiff to play a game. And when England show up and the odds are in their favour. And they come... And they go home without the winnings. Everybody loves, particularly if you're Welsh yesterday, everybody loves an underdog. And everybody loves it when the underdog wins. Don't you? Yes. I mean, I remember when Leicester City won the Premiership. Do you remember that? Unbelievable. Do you know if you put a bet on at the beginning of the season, it was 5,000 to 1. That's how much you would have won. Uh, had you been betting on Leicester winning. Amazing when you look back at it. You know, they are like a, a kind of semi-over-the-hill manager, a bunch of players that cost a, a fraction of what the leading teams could pull together. They lost three games that season, and Gary Lineker ended up having to host match of the day in his pants uh, because uh, if they won, he vouched that he would do it. I love it when an underdog wins. Do you? Do you love it when you win? Sometimes, when against all odds, you get that job. Or sometimes, Ben, against all odds, when you ask that girl, she says yes. <laughs> or that, you know, you, you, you get that house, you set your heart on it, you put the offer in, and they say yes. Do you love it when that happens to you? Okay, it's just me that loves it. When things go your way, when you feel that the world is against you, that everything goes your way. It's great, isn't it? And sometimes, you know, in life, as we start a new series together today called Interested, I don't know about you, but so often I feel as if life is just all against me. Do you feel like that sometimes? That no matter what you try to do in work, no matter what you're trying to do in family life sometimes, no matter what you try to do with relationships, no matter what you try to do with your money, no matter what you try and do with the gifts and the talents that God has given you, sometimes does it just not feel that just life and everything is against you all the time? Do you feel like that? I know in the area that I want to talk about first to you today, which is a very, very tenuous area, I want to talk to you today, if I can, about the subject of money. I mean, it's a big, big subject, isn't it? Yeah. To talk about money. And sometimes in churches, you know, particularly if you're the pastor, it's very difficult to talk about money. Very difficult to talk about the subject as, as we do here every Sunday and we talk about honoring God with every aspect of our lives, including our finances. When it comes to money, though... Don't you sometimes feel as if the world's against you? Do you sometimes feel as if it just never goes far enough? That money and your wealth and, and all that we have, and we are so, so wealthy in this country, aren't we? Do you know we are in the top 5% of wealthy people in the world right now? If you could put your hands on more than $2, if you'll have a square meal today, and if you've got a safe place to put your head down tonight without fear of being attacked... If that's you today, and you can tick those three boxes, you are in the top 5% of the world's wealthy. 
We're aware of that. That's a statistic from Compassion, the charity that saw many of uh, you here um, support with your uh, giving to sponsor children that are less fortunate than ours in other places of the world. And see in reception and in, in the uh, atrium area, we've got lots of stuff there about the work that we do in supporting Compassion for those that are really in poverty compared to us. But in a subject called entrusted, and I'm hooking, if I can, all of what I uh, want to share with you that I believe God has laid on my heart for us as a church just in these next couple of weeks as we look at this subject of entrusted. As we look at all the things God has entrusted us with. The anchor verse that I want to use is Luke 12 verse 48. And I'd like you to memorize this one too. You know, we've been doing a memory verse this year, haven't we, of remembering scriptures. We do it every year at the beginning of the year. We commit as a church together to learn some verses together. How are you getting on with learning Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6? That's our verse for the year. Are you going to say it with me? Trust in the Lord with all your hearts. All your ways and he will direct your paths. Well done. I see some of you reciting it because you know it. I see others mumbling and I see others going, learn verses of scripture. And this is one verse that I learned years and years ago from Luke 12 verse 48. And it says this, and I remember someone challenging me. I remember a minister challenging me on the gifts and the abilities and all that God gives all of us. You know, some of you are best with, blessed with gifts of being, able, I wish I could play guitar and, and get up and do all of what people, oh, I, look, I wish I was a rocker. God didn't give me that gift. I wish I could dance. I'm the king of dad dancing. But I tell you what, when I cut some shapes, it just makes a mess. I tell you, it really, really does. There's lots of things that I wish I could do, but God saw it fit not to bless me with those gifts, unfortunately. But I remember a pastor once challenged me, and he said this in Luke 12, verse uh, 48. It says, to the one who has been been given much, much is required. But to the one who has been given, entrusted with much, much more is asked. Great verse, isn't it? To the one who has been given much, much is required. But to the one who has been entrusted with much, much more is asked. You see, we are stewards of everything around us. Hot news off the press this morning. Bombshell. This is not fake news at all. This is proper news. Hot news for you. Nothing is yours. None of it is yours at all. Everything is his. He has given you breath this morning. He has given you life this morning. I'm privileged here to be a married man. Okay, I'm privileged here to be a happily married man. And I've been blessed with three children. They're not mine. She's not my wife. She's been loaned to me. August this year, Ruth and I, God willing, will celebrate 28 years of being married um, together. God has blessed me so far with over 27 years being married to the most amazing, amazing woman on earth. I'm so blessed, but she's not mine, guys. She's been loaned to me by God. 1995, when I 
took her down the aisle and I made my promises to her for richer, for worse, in sickness, in health, for better, for worse. All of, I made those promises. I intend to keep those promises. I keep those promises until death us do part. Because she's on loan. She got Tolette stamped on her. That's what it is. Loaned to me. I've been blessed with three wonderful girls. Loaned to me. They're loaned to me. Some people don't even... My daughter, Karis, who's just 21 right now, she's been blessed with 21 years that God has granted her. You know, as we pray for Zion this week, and as we pray for their circumstances, I thank God that God has loaned me three healthy children that God is blessing and prospered. They're not mine. Everything that we have has been entrusted to us. None of it is ours. All of it is his. There's a guy, and he's late to catch his flight. And he hasn't got time for a full-on meal. But he goes quickly, and he's trying to find some, something to eat. And he sees right the other end of the airport departure lounge, he sees Dunking Donuts. They've expanded now. They're no longer just dunking donuts. They're now just dunking because they sell coffee and they sell all this. So he goes to dunking donuts and he buys a pack of five donuts and a coffee. And he's looking after he's bought it at the till. He's looking around for somewhere to sit in the airport departure lounge. You can never find seats at an airport departure lounge, can you? And he's trying to find somewhere with a table. And he sees in the distance a table opposite a big burly fellow. And opposite the table, he sees a spare seat. So he walks up to the spare seat and he asks the guy, can I sit here? And he says, yeah. And he sits down opposite him. And before he sits down, he takes off his coat, puts it on the back of the chair, puts down his case, puts his laptop bag and all, bag and all of his luggage and everything on top of it, all of his stuff. He puts it on top of his bag. And he sits down and takes a sigh of relief because the flight's going in 10 minutes time and he's relieved. And he sits back and takes the lid off his coffee and takes a sip of his coffee. And he opens his bag of five donuts, takes out a donut and begins to eat it. Takes another sip of his coffee. And the guy opposite leans across the table, goes to his bag of donuts, takes out a donut, smiles at him, eats his donut and takes a sip of his coffee. He's thinking like, what's going on here? And he's thinking like, there's a big guy, I'm not going to say anything, you know, what am I going to do here? So he takes the bag of donuts, pulls it back his side of the table with his coffee, grabs up his newspaper, gives him a look. You know that look? Don't you touch my donuts. And he's reading the newspaper and he's there, he takes another sip of his coffee, reaches in, takes another donut and continues to read the paper. The guy, the other side of the table, stands up, leans all the way across, picks up the packet of donuts, takes one donut out, pushes it back across the table, sits down, smiles, as he eats the donut again and takes a cup of his coffee. By this time, the man is livid. Easily thinking to himself, you donut thief. 
you, you come here, get your own donuts. He's thinking to himself, you come here. He's livid. He doesn't want to say anything. And so he's there with his cup of coffee, fuming. And in that moment when he's fuming with all of this, looking for the next thing to do, the man gets up, puts his coat on opposite him, grabs his luggage, and is about to leave. And is about to leave before he leans across again goes to the bag of donuts, pulls the last donut out, eats half the donut after cutting it in half, puts it back on the bag, eats his, smiles, and says goodbye, and off he goes. The man is absolutely mad by this point. He's thinking, you mad thieving donut thief and you've probably infected as well and there's now all germs all over my half of the donut that's left and he's just he's thinking when ding dong comes up flight is leaving so he thinks oh, i just got to get everything together so he's there this whole experience drinks the last of his coffee puts it down on the table grabs his coat puts it on to go and catch his flight leans down goes to pick up his luggage with all that's on it and there, on top of the bag, is his bag of donuts. <laughs> and he realizes, in the moment, that when he thought, listen to this, when he thought somebody else was stealing of him, they were actually blessing him with half of what they had. All the donuts are his. And every day, in God's wonderful plan, every single day, he gives you and me ten donuts. And what he wants us to do is he wants us to take one of the donuts that we have... And to take that and to bring it to God and to bring it to the church that we attend. To the church that feeds us spiritually. To the church where we have community and have all of our friends. He wants us to come and to give that one donut to him. The donuts aren't yours. They're his. He gives you ten every single day. And we are privileged to be able to have 10 donuts from God every single day. He just asked us, will you honor me with one? And you know, there's a miraculous things that happens in this world of donuts. Because here now, right now, there are some of you that need 11 donuts a day. <laughs> Aren't there? You know the type of people, the type of people that there's more months left at the end of the money. You know those kind of people? And what happens is, even when we come with our ten donuts and we give one away, if you need eleven, miraculous things happen. God makes up the difference. He sends people your way that will bless you. Because there's another group of people that are in this church right now. And they get ten donuts. And they give one away. And the thing is this, they don't need nine to live off of. Because they're in a phase of life that God has prospered them. They're in a phase of life that things are going their way. They're in a place to be able to give more away. To be able to give an offering. Not just a tithe. To be able to give an offering. And so some people are able to go to kind of ministries like compassion and be able to give like that. 
Some people are able to give to other charities and loads of other local good causes. And some are able to come and even give to other people that are around them. That may be right here in church. Someone will just overhear a conversation or hear. And it happens all the time. I wish I could tell you all the stories from this church and this church's generosity and donut giving. I wish I could. Because so often those people that don't need nine donuts are giving their donuts away to somebody else. And they're blessing them. Somebody maybe needs a fridge. And so the people that have got plenty turn around and say, I'll bless them with a fridge. And it mysteriously arrives. I could tell you story after story after story how the donut miracle happens. But the point is this that I want to make. Everything we have, everything that we enjoy, is his. It's not ours. You know, Madagascar and those seagulls. Have you seen the seagulls when they're there on the ocean? What do they say? Mine, mine, mine. Don't they? You see them? That scene in Madagascar where they're saying, and that's what we do is we fulfill so often a worldly mindset that we say, that's mine. That's my wife. Those are my kids. This is my home. This is my stuff. Uh-uh. You leave it all behind one day. John D. Rockefeller, one of the wealthiest men on earth, Left it all behind. Couldn't take it with it. We all leave it behind because everything. James says, naked we come into the world. Naked we depart. But what we do with what has been entrusted to us is the key thing that brings successful life is we, when we get an effective perspective for all the things that have been entrusted to us because all of it is his. Let's pray. Father God, as we turn to your word this morning, Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to be able to have an effective perspective on so many different things that you have blessed our lives with, that you bless us with time, that you've given us another day today, that you bless us with gifts and abilities, that you bless us with talents that we can use to make a difference in the world and the people that we live around. And Lord, that you bless us with treasure too. Lord, that the things that we have that are material, Lord, that we are able to use those things if we want for the praise and glory of your name. So, Lord, I pray today, Lord, that as with godly conviction and with godly spirit, Lord, we look at this subject, Lord, that you'd help us, Lord, to understand your plan for our lives as your children, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to look at a passage of scripture that's to be found in Matthew chapter 25. And in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus shares three stories. I like to call it this. is not so much the Sermon on the Mount. This is the Sermon on the Amount. This is a sermon on how we use the things that we've been given us. Things like our time that he talks about at the beginning of this chapter, where he talks about the parable of the ten virgins. The parable of the ten virgins that, you know, they're having to tend oil and the bridegroom is going to come and we're going to look at that in the weeks that are to come. And then the passage of scripture that I want to look at today is the passage of scripture, the passage of scripture that talks about our money, talks about our wealth, the sermon on the amount. 
And then at the end, when we finish, there's a final story right at the end, which is called the story about the sheep and the goats. Talking about this subject of relationships and our gifts and our abilities and what we decide to do. So in this uh, three-week um, uh, series together on Entrusted, as uh, uh, I was sharing with um, Andrea that I was starting this new series, and she said, what, we've got a new box set. Can we binge on it today? No, I'm not going to keep you here for six hours today. We're just having the first message, if we can, in this, which is the miracle of our money. Entrusted the miracle of our money. And what happens if we have a donut mentality? What happens when we realize that all of it's his? And that we realize when he's asking us to give of our plenty, God's not stealing from us. He's giving stuff to us. He's giving things to us that we can give back to him if we honor him. Turn to me and follow me on screen, and we're going to share this uh, story together. If you've got a Bible, glowing or leather, flick it up, open it out, and follow me. And if you haven't uh, got a Bible, please see us after church this morning. We'd love to give you a Bible if you haven't got one. And if you've got a glow Bible, then flip it up and go into apps and download version Bible. There's a free Bible for you right there that you can uh, follow us in terms of uh, uh, the Bible and the Scriptures today or in the week. Turn to me to Matthew chapter 25, and we're going start reading from verse 14 together. And he's talking about this principle, these three stories. And Jesus has shared this story about the ten virgins that we look at again. And he says again, he's sharing these principles of what an entrusted life looks like. He says again, it will be like a man on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Point number one that I want to share with you if you're taking notes this morning, it's not yours. It's not yours. He entrusted his wealth to them. And the story continues. To one, he gave five bags of gold. How many? Five bags of gold. To another, two bags and to another one bag. So first, first one he gives how many bags? Five. To the second one he gives? And the last one? Five. Interesting, isn't it? Isn't that interesting? Why five, two, and one? Do you want me to tell you why? I don't know. <laughs> Jesus says this story, he gives five, two, and one. But the thing he does talk about is this. He gave each according to his ability. See, God blesses us with things according to our ability. Interesting. So none of it's yours, but he gives it to you according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. And the, mess, the story continues. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. Do the maths. How much has he got? Ten. Ten. Well done. Continues. See also the one who had two bags of gold went and gained two bags more. How many has he now got? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, didn't go like that. 
Oh, come on, that's wasted. I thought that was going to get a laugh. This way. Three bags more, one for the... F- oh, right, okay. Yeah, they don't do nursery rhymes in school anymore, do they? So also the one with two bags of gold came, gained two more. And it continues in verse 18. But the man who had received one bag... How much? One bag. Went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. So how much do you think he's going to reap? Burying it in the ground. Well, we find out now. Let's continue. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold bought the other five, the ten, and said, Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. The master replied, same thing, same thing, same verse. Same thing, as he gives to the guy with five, same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. We're going to pause before we move on. You see, if we do the best we can with what we have, the reward is the same. But to the one who has been entrusted with much, much more is asked. And so Jesus lays down the principle here that if you've been given more gifts and abilities, then more is expected of you. I mean, if you can play lead guitar, and if you can sing, because I ain't going to be judged for that one, am I? On that day, God is going to, when I stand in front of his throne, he's going to say, why did you not sing for me? And I'll be able to say, Lord, the reason I didn't sing is it was a blessing to your church that I didn't. Because they told me when I sing in the shower, that's enough. That's enough for everyone. I tell you what, when I sing, it's like a fire in a pet shop. That's what it sounds like. So back to this verse 23. His master replied, well done, good and faithful uh, servant. Come and share your master's happiness. And it continues. Verse 24. Then the man who had received one bag of gold, he came. Master, I knew that you were a hard man harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See here what belongs to you. Jesus replies, his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant, you know You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seeds. At least, he says, well, you should have put my money on deposit with a banker so that when I return, I would have received it back, at least with interest. I'd have done something with it instead of just burying it in the ground. And the final verse. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one, interesting principle here, doesn't share it equally between the other two people that had done just as well. He takes the bag of gold and gives it to the one that has the most. You see, to the one who has been given 
much is required. But to the one who has been entrusted with much, much more is asked. You know, I teach this everywhere I go, particularly when I get the privilege of preaching at churches and the walk that God has given me is one of, you know, I've got limited gifts that God has given me, but God has blessed me with this gift of leadership and the gift of teaching and the gift of giving. And you know what I discovered with the gift of giving that God has given me? He very rarely gives the gift of giving to people that haven't got the gift of making. Get it? You see, if he wants me to be a guitarist and to write an album or to write a song, he's going to give me a gift that's going to have global impact if that's what God is calling me to. is if he's given me a five bag of gold guitarist gift. Do you get it? If he's given me a two bag of gold guitarist gift, then I just use what I have to the best that I can. But I tell you what, if you can play guitar and you don't use it at all and you bury it in the ground because you have a one bag of gold guitarist gift, tell you what, it's a dangerous place to be in when we just bury our gifts. Whatever we have, you've got a one bag gift, you've got a two bag gift, you've got a five bag gift, just use it to your gifts and abilities and talents. And I know entrepreneurs all across the world. I know some that are billionaires. I know others that are millionaires. And I know ones that deal with lots of less notes, tens of thousands of pounds, and maybe hundreds of thousands of pounds. But to the one who has been entrusted with much, much more is asked. I haven't got Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, who's a billionaire, multi-billionaire. I haven't got his gift, but I'm not responsible for that. He's responsible for his gift. I'm not like Jeff Bezos, the owner of Amazon, who's the wealthiest man on earth. I haven't got his, his gift. I've got a small bag of gold gift. And I've got to use mine for his glory. And so in this area of money and wealth, what God has blessed you with, I tell you what, if you earn 10 grand a year or 12 grand a year or 15 grand a year, great. If you own 40 grand a year, great. If you, own 100, if you earn 100,000 pounds a year, great. I mean, how many of you would like to be a professional footballer and earn like, you know, 250,000 pounds a week? Wouldn't that be great? Okay, just one. <laughs> just one. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, do you ever imagine this stuff sometimes? If only I could win the lottery or whatever it is. But no, the reality of life is, I remember Ruth teaching me this, there's only three types of money in life in general. And the three types of money are reflected in these three stories that we have here. My wife had the privilege of uh, having a very responsible role in Lloyd's private banking, looking after high net worth customers for many, many years. And she was given an insight to the mentality of wealthy people. Do you know that over 80% of people that win the lottery and win big, big numbers, do you know over 80% of them end up broke in the end? Are you aware of that? Are you aware that over 80% of professional footballers that have earned crazy, crazy money find themselves at the end of life with hardly any money to be able to live life on, even though they've earned crazy money? Do you know why? Because they have a wasteful mindset. And the man with one bag of gold has a wasteful mindset. You see, he's one thing, I'll just bury it. I'll get on with living my life. I won't make that money work. I'll just get on with living. And one day he comes back, and here it is. 
and that's it. Not using the gift in terms of managing his money that God has given him. And the second person that we've got here reflects another passage of people that play safe bets. You see, Ruth taught me, when she came home, she says, there's what they call one money. And Lloyd's private banking never used to want to look after customers particularly that won the money because they couldn't manage it. They'd be coming back in three, four years and want to cash in their policies anyway because they'd bought a house, bought a Ferrari, and they'd run out of money, and they now needed more money and wanted to cash in the policies. So there was this other area of money called inherited money. And that, again, was all safe bets. It was all, well, we can't afford to lose it. We want to earn a little bit. And if we double our money over a period of time, we're happy with that. A protectionist mindset. You see, over here, wasteful mindset. Over here, protectionist mindset. You know, because you don't want to take risks, do you? Do you take risks? Who, hands up who wants to take risks? Hands up who wants to take risks? Well, you all should have your hands up right now. You take risks every single day. I mean, did you come here by car today? I mean, there's a risk. I mean, you could have an accident. Did you get up out of bed this morning, this morning? I mean, there's a risk. Do you know how many people die from falling down the stairs every day in the United Kingdom? Do you know the stats on it? Do you know there's nine people a year die in the United Kingdom from licking the top of a nine-volt battery just to see if it's got charge? I kid you not. Google it. Your life is full of risk all the time. So we've got people that have a risk, and then we've got other people that take calculated risks. Now, it's good to have calculated risks, isn't it? Yes, take calculate, because we know that markets go up as well as down, and we, we know this. So God calls us to make our money work for us, to take risks, calculated risks. And he says to us, don't you know that I'm a demanding master, and I reap what I have not sown? So we do not have the luxury today of wherever we sit here with all the income. I couldn't care less how much you earn. God challenges us in his donut theology because he gives you all of what you've got. We've got to give one donut back to him. And when we do that, the donut miracle happens. So first point, it's all his. And I'm closing with quick two points here. Second point, this is really important. If I can, I know it's the second point, but I'd love you to highlight this. Put it in bold and put it in caps. And it's this. It's not your fault. You see, because lots of churches that I've been at, they talk about this principle of giving, and they talk about this principle of tithing, and they talk about all these principles that are in the Bible. And there's feeling sometimes, particularly when it's someone like me, particularly when it's someone that God has blessed because of this gift that I have. And it's very difficult. And when we spoke on the leadership team and we were talking about, you know, you know, maybe there's some subjects that we need to talk about. And we talked about this subject. And they said, you need to preach on it, Phil. <laughs> Thanks. It's not your fault. What I want to say with this, and I felt God really laying this strongly on my heart. I'm privileged, I'm so privileged to be brought in a house that taught me how to manage my finances from a very, very early age. I haven't had to do the mistakes. And it's one of the, if you're teaching here today, I tell you what, it's one of the things, it's the two things that I wish they would put into our education system. Don't teach you on the two most important things in life. 
I don't teach you how to manage relationships. And our school system doesn't teach us how to manage our money. And loads of you here, you find yourself in the big, wide world when it comes out. I mean, you can't even spell mortgage properly. You didn't know that it had a T in it. Until you kind of find yourself in this world. And you're like, well, how do we do that? And somebody says to you, well, you need a deposit, a big one. And you go, well, how am I going to do that? I'm skint because nobody's taught you this stuff. It's not your fault. Not your fault. Whatever you find yourself in today. But I tell you what, we as a church are here to help. Myself and everyone that's here. I want to speak specifically. You know, our world here, particularly in the United Kingdom, is gripped by debt. If you are in debt today, and if you're listening online and you're in debt today, and you are sinking, I can only imagine the anxiety is putting you through because I've been there. I've been there. I'm not going to share the story publicly, but come and tell me after years and years and years ago when we were trying to make stuff happen, and Ruth and I went and got our first credit card, and that kind of got us out of problems. So we thought, we started loading that thing up, and before we know it, like we are, there's loads of noughts at the end of that. If I tell you it was quite a number north of 10 grand, right? It's quite a number north of that. And Ruth and I find ourselves in a situation we didn't know how we were going to pay this off. What are we going to do? It was all so bleak. I couldn't get sleep. There were so many things that was affecting me. I know what it is to be there. And if you're there right now, I want you to message me. I want you to get in touch with me. We are here to help, not to judge. It'll be confidential. Can put you, you know, Dave Ramsey, go and have a look at his stuff online. Go and look at organizations like Christians Against Poverty, CAP, online. It's not the end of the world. There is hope for you. And I want to say there's two things that we talk a lot here about church. We talk about mental health and we say it's not your fault. And we talk about this subject of debt. And I want to say to you today, it's not your fault. Okay, see my heart. Not your fault. But the last point. Okay, it's all his. So he gives us all of what we've got. Secondly, it's not your fault. And then finally, in closing, it is your responsibility. So you can do one or two things here today. Look, if you're a 10 donut person and you give one to God and you've got loads left can you see it in your heart to use what you have left to make a difference to others in this church and in so many different places I could put you in touch with so many different needs if God has blessed you if you have the gift of making and the gift of giving and you've got so many things that you've got in terms of resources you are obligated there's obligations. Please don't buy another yacht. Please don't buy another property abroad with it. Do something that will change a life here in Ammonford with it. Make a difference. It is our responsibility. Because to whom is given much, much is required. To the one who is entrusted with much, much more is asked. Let me finish by just saying one thing. There's a guy that's working on a building site. And every day he leaves the building site and there's lots of things that go missing and get stolen on this building site all the time. And they can't work it out. There's equipment and stuff that gets missing and so they put a security guard in. 
And so the security guard is checking everything. And every day, there's a guy called Dave. Any Daves in the house? It's not you, Dave. There's a guy called Dave, and Dave comes out with a wheelbarrow, and what he does, he takes all the offcuts from the carpentry. He's got a wood burner at home, and every day he comes, and the security guard checks through all the wood and the, that's there just to check that he hasn't hidden any tools or stolen anything in this wheelbarrow, and off he goes every day. Next day, same thing, he's taking all this wood, but there's something about this guy. See, this security guy can tell a thief a million miles off. And every single day, he says, look, tell me, Dave, he says, there's got to be something going on. I know you're stealing stuff, but I can't put my finger in it. Look, I'm going to catch you out one day, so, so you might as well tell me now. And he says, do you know what, says Dave? I'm actually leaving today. It's my last day at work. I don't need to work anymore, he says, and I'll let you know what the secret is. He says, what? You're going to tell me what the secret is? Yes, I've been stealing here every single day. He says, you have? What have you been stealing then? I've been looking through all this wood and I can't find a thing, single thing. And Dave says to him, for over a year and a half, I've been stealing wheelbarrows. Sometimes in life, we focus on the wrong things. Sometimes in life, we focus on what we have. We focus on this is mine. We focus on our money, my house, my family, my cars. We sweat the small stuff. Sometimes we're looking in timber for all the stuff that we think is right when all the time there's a wheelbarrow around. And in this area of interested, can I ask you this week, connect with me, share with me, speak to me, speak to the leadership team. Can we not sweat the small stuff? Can we get this principle in our minds that he has entrusted everything to us for good, for blessing, so that we can make a difference in the world? Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.